Travel with me to Saturday, the 23rd of May, 2015, Wembley Stadium. And Wickham Wanderers, my hometown team, were playing in the National Stadium for the first time in 21 years. I was there as a child and back there again with my family and friends. We actually gathered at our house beforehand to have lunch as the excitement was palpable. Um, building, we got the train down and then the game started and it was a tense start. It was a playoff final, so the opportunity to go up a league. We knew this was our year, this was our time. As the game, as I say, was tense, it actually went nil-nil all the way to the full 90 minutes, but it was all right. It's like, this is our time. This is our moment. And so into extra time, we went again, still pretty tense, but we got a free kick and scored it. And it was absolute pandemonium. I'm there kind of hugging and kissing strangers, celebration. We knew it, hopes alive. And for the rest of extra time, it felt like time just slowed, slowed down. And right towards the dying seconds of the game, Wickham gave the ball away on the halfway line and as I say things just seemed to go into slow motion as they ran up the line crossed it in the ball kind of bobbled around it was like no as their striker got to it kicked it through through a whole bunch of defenders and into the back of the net half of the, uh, the other half of the stadium erupted in celebration we could not believe it and then it was the final whistle absolutely gutting but it was still 1-1 hopes still alive resting on a penalty shootout. And the way it went, can you believe it? You probably can believe it if you're an England fan and know exactly how this feels. Wickham lost on penalties. Heartbreaking. And we walked back down Wembley Way, that same path that had held so much promise, so much buzz and expectation, but this time walking away in silence. Heads down, hopes dashed which brings us pretty much directly into Luke chapter 24 and this passage we've just heard. You know, the last two Sundays we've journeyed through Holy Week. Palm Sunday where Tom shared, we looked at Jesus arriving on a donkey and turning over the tables and with the fig tree where the shouts of Hosanna swiftly turned to cries of crucify. And through uh, Easter week to eventually climaxing with Easter Sunday, the resurrection with a side of chocolate. This idea that Jesus just did an Airbnb with the grave rather than getting a full mortgage. Incredible news. And today really is a continuation of this story that we've been on. And we're in Luke's account of an appearance of the resurrected Jesus in a passage known as the road to Emmaus. And our context is it's still the same day as the resurrection. Jesus had previously appeared to Mary and she'd run and told the disciples they didn't quite believe her, couldn't really understand what was going on. And here, later on that day, two people, some scholars believe it could be husband and wife, are walking along this road to Emmaus. And here's the journey arc we're going to briefly look at for them and then what that means for us today as well. It's hope resigned, hope revealed, and then finally hope restored. Because for these two walking along the road, they'd seen Jesus ministering. They'd heard his teaching. It's like they'd seen it in his eyes. They'd allowed themselves to believe that this was the Messiah. This was the moment they'd started to dream. And then came the crucifixion. This brutal and traumatic 
dream-crushing event. So hope resigned. We read in verse 21, they say, we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem. We had hoped. You can imagine as they're walking, still stunned, still kind of numb, hopeless. The walk was around seven miles. So it probably would have taken a couple of hours. I was trying to work out about as far as that would be for us, somewhere to like Fair Oak or just past Hamble, if that's helpful. But as they're walking along these seven miles, dragging their feet in the dust on the road towards Emmaus, with the added confusion of rumours of an empty tomb, like what's happened, what's going on. But for them, the crucifixion would have already spelled it out, theologically and politically, that the Romans were still ruling. And notice the symbolism and what's happening. They're walking away from Jerusalem, away from Jesus, away from all that they'd hoped in, two disenchanted ex-disciples if you like we had hoped maybe that's relatable for you today we had hoped in a in a relationship or a particular job or some exam results or health status we had hoped for answered prayers we had hoped for a particular kind of god or a particular kind of religion I think this image of two people walking away really resonates. Maybe for you, maybe for some loved ones that you know, walking away, but this sense of kind of confusion and sadness, melancholy and meaning, seeking what's going on, what's it all about. But look what happens. It says that Jesus came up and walked along with them. He walked towards them, with them, Verse 16, these two Emmaus-bound disciples don't recognise his presence among him at first. Maybe it's just because they're so full of grief that they don't see it. But it's a beautiful picture, the Jesus who walks towards us as we're walking away, heads down. And when we need a spirituality that doesn't deny the complexities and the questions of life, when there aren't always those neat and tidy answers, we look to Jesus. We look to Jesus who entered into our world, into suffering, uh, identifying with us. The theologian Jürgen Moltmann puts it beautifully. He suggests that the only real theological friend in times of pain is to look to the crucified Jesus In other words, there aren't these kind of fix-all answers that we can find when we think about these things other than we look to Jesus who went through it, who knows it, who walks along with us. He's a friend to these disciples here and to us today. And for them, what was true in the light is still true in the dark. What was true in the light is still true in the dark and so secondly hope revealed so they're walking and chatting away and they end up inviting Jesus basically to stay for tea only to discover that it was really Jesus inviting them into a new place that God had been working in ways they'd never dreamed of new and a breathtaking possibility that the scriptures had been pointing to Jesus all along as Jesus explains to them in verse 27 
Beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in the scriptures concerning himself. Basically does this kind of Bible overview with them. Now, firstly, if there's one podcast I want to hear, it's this one. An overview of the Bible with flipping Jesus. Incredible. And see how they respond. Verse 32, were not our hearts burning within us as he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? You can sense it's kind of like, could it, could it really be the, the centrepiece of the scriptures, this wide open space, right relationship with God, how the kingdom is actually at hand? Could it really be in Jesus? Were not our hearts burning within us? You know, Jesus recast the story that these two were familiar with, but in a new light reframed it and when he told them the very story that they were walking out on in this way their hearts were recaptured they burned with a passion and with a longing an experience you might be able to relate to might be feeling even this morning And as I was thinking about this passage and these words hearts burning within them it reminded me of a story I heard about John Wesley John Wesley, who went to a Moravian prayer meeting 300 years ago and was in a position where he was tired of doing things in his own strength, tired of trying to make sense with things, very close to giving up on ministry, perhaps his faith altogether. But he met with God in this prayer meeting and afterwards he wrote down these words, I felt my heart strangely warmed kind of similar language. I felt my heart strangely warmed and it was the turning point in his life. He'd go on to travel 250,000 miles, mainly on foot and horseback, preach 40,000 sermons. He'd started a movement, but it started with this. I felt my heart strangely warmed in the presence of God and reading through the scriptures as Jesus became apparent and real. The realisation of God with us, opening our eyes to his presence in Jesus, warming our hearts, showing up, revealing hope, the relationship from which all else flows. You know, it's where we find our who and our what and our how and our very why in life. And then for these two, the penny really drops in verse 30 as they share around the table in the breaking of bread. We read that Jesus took, blessed, broke and gave. What does this remind you of? We only need to go back a few days to Maundy Thursday and the Last Supper. And just look at the parallels here in the language and what's happening. It's kind of acting as a hyperlink back to this story in Luke 22 and then what we've got in Luke 24. Look at this, 22, 19 on the last supper, he took bread, gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them. And then here on the road to Emmaus, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it and began to give it to them. Amazing parallels. And then it says their eyes were opened and they recognised him. They recognised who he was. Jesus is present in the scriptures as they'd been unpacking. He is the word and in the breaking of bread and what his followers have done as we gather ever 
since Jesus is present. So hope resigned, hope revealed in this beautiful way and then hope restored. Hope restored and we read after this time in verse 33, they got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. Just done this long walk. It's not like, okay, we'll just wait, have a little bit of a rest. They returned at once to Jerusalem. In this passage, Jesus restores their vision, renews their hope. It's like reigniting the dying embers of fire in their hearts and faith in their lives. And they're back in the game. This time they don't lose on penalties. They run back and they share this good news and this revelation of Jesus with him, that Jesus really is resurrected. And all of this means Ronald Rollheiser, amazing name, even better writer. He, he talks about the significance and symbolism of these two paths, Jerusalem and Emmaus in this gospel account. This is really interesting. Jerusalem represents the faith dream, the hope that they had uh, thought was crushed and were walking away from, whereas Emmaus represents human comfort, kind of consolation, self-sufficiency. In fact, Emmaus even became a Roman spa town. So it's like literally a place of checking out and of comfort. And Pete Gray gets at something similar in his book, Dirty Glory, and he tells this story of a place known as Blue Camp 20. Now, in the 1800s, hundreds and thousands of people took a long and what would have been very dangerous journey towards Santa Fe in search of gold and cattle and basically a fresh start in life, new prosperity, new options. But around 20 miles from where the Santa Fe Trail began, Blue Camp 20, this little place, this little what was originally stop-off was formed. It was kind of like from this stop-off, from there on to Santa Fe, you were all in. It would take a lot, but it was like, okay, this is the final one. We're all in, we're going to Santa Fe. But gradually the campsite became a settlement. The settlement became a town and got its own kind of built-up area because as people stopped and they settled and they got comfortable and they weren't quite sure what was beyond that. They decided to stay and actually little Santa Fe was born and formed a smaller version of the original dream, a lesser version of the original journey towards what they had hoped for and what they were really looking for in Santa Fe. And these disciples don't settle for Emmaus. They head straight back to Jerusalem. It's amazing imagery. And I just want to ask, say like, what might that look like for you? This helps uh, form our, our questions around like where we live and where we work and how we spend our time and our money and who we spend time with, how we follow Jesus. The question here is, you know, are we settling sometimes? for less than the original faith dream, for less than the full adventure and the road to Jerusalem. What might this look like for you? You know, the road to Emmaus actually becomes the road to Jerusalem. The road of despair becomes the road of hope once again. 
and we've looked at this obviously as we've looked at the resurrection all of that means death defeated and we looked at it in more detail at the end of the story to live in series what it means that Jesus is making all things new and I really encourage you to check that out if you missed it the grand narrative the big picture but ultimately we are people of the future living in the present image bearers, agents of love in our lives around us, carrying a contagious hope that has been restored in us to the world. Our hearts on fire. And so to finish, let me summarise, when hope is resigned, may we recognise Jesus' presence still with us. When hope is revealed, would our hearts burn within us? And as hope is restored, would we not settle for just Emmaus, but be re-envisioned to share in our everyday lives this hope and this love and what we found to those around us and beyond. Amen.